notice that and I think this is the most important I do not want anyone to give with guilt the question always is is, Lord why are I am I not generous by nature that's the question in my own giving as unto the Lord I'm always like Lord I want to be a cheerful giver I want to be able to give it joyfully and not begrudgingly I want to say Lord I want to be generous not I have to be generous the looking glass self That's how we define ourselves, through the eyes of others. But that limits us because we only see our faults, our earthly roles, our brokenness. As we learn today in Pastor Daniel's teaching, seeing ourselves through God's eyes changes everything. We think about ourselves according to Him and we begin to live differently. As we hear about sacrifices, we'll come to an understanding about His expectations for us. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, The Burnt Offering. God adopted you knowing everything you were ever going to do, and me too. And God's grace, His sheer grace is so powerful that His love trumps all the stupid things we do. Every morning when you wake up, you say, I'm here, Lord. He'd be like, yeah, you are. And every morning when you go to bed, you're like, man, well, Lord, that was something, wasn't it? And be like, yeah, it was. And everything in between, you just turn your heart to him and speak to him. The children of Israel had to go through Moses. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, his perfectly lived life, his sacrificial death on our behalf, his resurrection and ascension. If you don't know about any of that, come on Sunday. I'm going to talk about it from Ephesians. All of that means you just talk to God. Anybody who talks to the Lord in Jesus' name. God hears, he knows, and he loves to act. But we we see here again Moses in his mediatorial role. Now in verse 2, he says to them, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock of the herd and the flock. Now that word offering is interesting because in the Hebrew, it literally means something that is rising up. An offering, it means something that is being lifted up sacrificially. Something that is being surrendered. That's what it means. So when we think of bringing an offering, you have to bring it of, of the herd. So this kind of sets the stage for our first study, the one on the burnt offering which is of the animals. Now, you'll see that there's also a provision for people who did not have domesticated animals. They could also bring uh, common birds. And it's interesting because what it shows is that God is not as much interested in what the thing that is offered as he is in the desire to give, to surrender. So we have to realize that because, you know, we, we live in a day and age where you're like, well, I shouldn't, tithes because I just don't have very much money, right? Or you say, why should I give? Because like, I'm just, I don't have a lot. See, God's not as interested in the amount as he's interested in the heart that says, Lord, you are more important than this. 
I'm willing to surrender what I have. And that's why I love the fact that God doesn't, he's not like our government, which says if you make more, you should be taxed more. And if you make less, you should be taxed less. God says, look, I ask for a tenth as a standard from everybody. It's a flat tax in a way. It's not a tax though, because we don't give to get from God. We give because God has given everything to us. It's a grace-based giving. But that's why God doesn't say, well, listen, if you're doing great, then give more. And if you're not, then don't worry about it. He just leaves it there, wanting us to respond to his grace equally. And I remember when I was a brand new Christian and I got taken on staff at 500 bucks a month. It was like, man, 50 bucks hurt out of that 500. But it was like, Lord, I have a job because you've given it to me. And then as you make more, you're like, well, it's the same percentage and it hurts the same way. But it doesn't hurt because God is God. And the only reason I have a job is because God has given me breath in my lungs and a beating heart and some semblance of skills. So either way, that idea of we're just giving it up, we're giving it away. We're offering it up as a surrender unto the Lord. And so that's what an offering is. And of course, it makes you think of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, each one of us comes as living sacrifices to the Lord. We say, Lord, I give you me. I give you the self that I've come up with. I give that to you. And as a living sacrifice, I mean, talk about a paradox. Because you come, you say, Lord, I give you me. And then he gives us back us, but better. His version of us, not our own version of us. And I love it. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some of your translations say your spiritual acts of service, or your, your spiritual worship. The idea is that because of what God has done for us, giving him ourselves, it's a reasonable response. Given God's grace, giving him ourselves is like, well, Lord, you did everything. You're just asking for my life. To the church in Corinth, Paul said, of course, do you not realize that you are not your own? You were bought at a price. And that's one of our biggest struggles, isn't it? This side of eternity is that we know that we've been bought by Jesus, but we want to be our own owner operator, even though we gave our lives to Jesus. So Jesus is saying, look, you're mine, and I want, to, I want to administer you to the world a certain way. And we say, well, Lord, I really have my own plan. I have a good plan for how I want to be administered to the world. But really, we don't have control if Jesus is Lord. We don't have control over how God uses us. We have to come and say, Lord, it's all yours. I'm yours. What do you want to do? You know what happens when you give that to the Lord? God does crazy stuff. That's what happens. And that's why we don't really do it, right? Because we think that if I do that, God's going to revolutionize everything. And I'm here to tell you, he absolutely will. It doesn't mean he's going to give you a new job. He might give you a new you at your job. It doesn't mean that he's going to, you hate bugs, he's going to send you to the most bug-infested place in the world. Because God's not mean that way. But if he wants to send you the most bug-infested place in the world, he's first going to give you a great love of bugs. But the only way that happens is if you say, Lord, my life is yours. I'm a living sacrifice. I'm not my own. I was bought at a price. But what happens for us is that we struggle so much to see ourselves through God's eyes 
Because we're so used to for 15 years for you young people or 25 years for you equally young people or 40 years for you younger people or 60 years for you younger people or your 80 years for you youngest people. You're so used to seeing yourself the way the world has taught you, your parents have taught you, that to see yourselves who you truly are through the eyes of God is very challenging. But the only way to do it is every day say, Lord, I give you, I'm a living sacrifice. I am yours. This life is yours. I give you myself. Show me who I am. Because my own ideas of who I am are broken as the people who raised me and the world that I've lived in. Brothers, I believe we need that because I believe that the people of God have an identity crisis today. We see ourselves based on all the ways people reflected us back to ourselves. Psychologists call it the looking glass self. I see me the way I see you see me. And so whether it's your spouse, your family, your friends, the the circumstance of your life, that's who I am. But Jesus is like, no, you are completely different than you realize. And what happens when we see ourselves through the eyes of God, we realize that we are both more beautiful and more horrendous than we ever imagined. We become more excited about God's grace because we see how much we need it. And we also realize that our life is worth so much more than what we're living for. And it's in that sweet spot of seeing ourselves as living sacrifices that all of a sudden God starts to push us out into works of service, opportunities, because we're just responding to Jesus. And Jesus is like, look, I want you to go hug that person. You're like, well, Lord, I don't really like hugging anybody. And he says, I know, but I do. And I really like giving hugs through you. And then before you know it, you give someone a hug. And before you know it, you're having a conversation. You're like, how did this happen? Because I'm following the Lord. Brothers, sisters, if there's anything you get out of tonight, we want to respond to Jesus. We need to see ourselves the way he sees us. Satan wants you to feel defeated, act defeated, be defeated. But if you read the end of your Bible, Satan's the one who's defeated. He's just a good liar. He's been lying a long time. He's the father of lies. I mean, all lies spring from him. So the more ways he can push us away from the way God sees us, the better he has us. But Jesus Christ, through his perfect life, through his sacrificial death, through his resurrection and ascension, he changed everything for us. And we need to learn how to see ourselves the way he sees us and say, Lord, if that's who I am, then how do I move and live and be in this world? And that's what Romans 12, 2 says, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, it's about how we think about ourselves, how we think about our lives, how we think about our finances and our skills and our neighbors and our enemies and, and, and. And we we get our minds renewed and then we live out what proves God's good and acceptable and perfect will. Because all of a sudden we just get totally different. We think differently. We move differently. We think about who we are differently. And then we start to live out God's good, perfect, and acceptable will in the world. And people are like, I don't know what happened to them, but something is different about that person. So when you think about these sacrifices, you got to think about ourselves. Because God is asking for us. It's our reasonable service. Now, In verse 3, we jump into this idea of the burnt offering. So it begins, verse 3, 
if the offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd. So at first it comes from the herd. These were some of the most valuable of the sacrificial animals. Come from the herd. Some of the domesticated animals. Now look at what it says. It says, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Now notice this. When you want to bring an animal of your herd, you have to bring a male without blemish and you have to do it as a free will offering. Now you have to realize, it's not saying that God doesn't like women, but when you have an unblemished male in your herd, that male can reproduce with numerous women. I'm talking about animals here, not humans. That's the most precious of your herd. The young, unblemished male. Because, and I, I've never done any shepherding work, but this, I've just read a bunch of books on it, and I'm sure it makes sense to me. So that is your most valuable, without blemish. Notice that. Don't give God your sloppy seconds, the busted up, male of the herd, give him your best. Give God your best. And I think that's important because you know, there's another one of those pastor stories. A guy found out that his, one of his cattle was going to have twins, right? And, w- and when they were both born, one died. He said, hey, look, the Lord's calf died. Isn't that what we do? There's nothing worse than when someone calls the church, hey, we want to give the church a printer. It's never a new printer, it's always like a printer from 1978 that takes half a, half a room. Now, I, I'm not saying somebody here did that because you guys love the Lord way more than that. But when was the last time we gave God our best and not the thing we can't wait to get rid of? We just want to get out of the garage and the church has got extra storage. See, he's saying, he's saying, look, they have to give me their best mail without any flaws. So he's saying, look, why? Because, yeah, the best male of the herd, that's important for all of my other generations of cattle. And that's going to be the one who's going who's to have all these beautiful cattle. He's saying, no, no, I'm giving that one to the Lord because my cattle is not my life. God is my life. And God deserves my best, not my last. That's why, of course, you talk about giving. I always believe that my, the first check I write is under the Lord. I shouldn't pay all my bills. And Lord, sorry, man. I needed 20 bucks for coffee and you get a nickel. A lot of us do our finances that way. We give every, everybody else, and then we're like, okay, well, I, Lord, I'm sorry. I spent all your money. No one's getting saved through me, but at least I got gas in the car and I got heat in the house. Now, don't get me wrong. I realize it's a bad economy, but we need to give God our best, not our weakest, not our least. It's hard, though, isn't it? It's hard teaching. A male of the first year. So a young, virile male cattle. Not only that, notice this. This is not required. It's a free will offering. He shall offer it of his own free will. Now notice that. And I think this is the most important. I do not want anyone to give with guilt. The question always is, is Lord, why are I, am I not generous by nature? That's the question. In my own giving as unto the Lord, I'm always like, Lord, I want to be a cheerful giver. I want to be able to give it joyfully and not begrudgingly. I want to say, Lord, I want to be generous, not I have to be generous because I'm the pastor. Because I'll be honest, there's a lot of times I've gone to give as unto the Lord and I'm just grumpy about it. I'm like, Lord, I could do a lot of things with this. 
And then the Lord reminds me, you need to give cheerfully. Why am I not like Jesus in such a way that I can be cheerful in my generosity? And then, of course, it comes back because God's not done with me yet. Now, I always tell people, you need to act your way into a new way of thinking. Don't try and think your way into a new way of acting. That's our cop-out, isn't it? We're always like, well, I'm not really feeling it, so I'm not going to give. Or I'm not really feeling it, so I'm not going to serve. No, you serve your way into a new way of thinking about yourself. You give your way into a new way of being cheerful of giving. Obedience always leads to a changed heart. If you wait, you know, it's kind of like, I'll quit smoking cigarettes, Lord, when you take the desire away. You guys ever try that? Yeah, some of you did. I won't make you, don't raise your hand. It's okay. When you're addicted to nicotine, that desire is never going to go away. But you do the dirty work to save your lungs so that you can serve the Lord as long as you can. But you obey your way into a new way of being, a new way of thinking, not necessarily the other way around. And I love this, that it's a free will offering. And Jesus, didn't he say, no one takes my life, I give it. I give it of my own free will. He's saying that, he's like, look, I am the sacrifice because no one's making me do this. I'm giving my own life. For the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Father. So this, someone brings it. It's one of their best male, young cattle without any flaws. Totally do it. They want to give it. They're saying, Lord, I want to give to you now. In verse 4, it says, Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. So the idea of the laying on of hands, the idea of laying on of hands always speaks to the idea of transferring, transferring either ownership or responsibility. So what it's saying is that when you bring your free will offering, you lay your hands on it. And notice what it says here in the middle of verse four. It says, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. So God is accepting a sacrifice in place of the person. Now, that word atonement, that's a big word. Think about it quite simply, atonement, at one meant. So the idea is to bring back together. We talked about the idea of peace being to take what is broken and join it back together. Same concept, at one meant, to bring back together. So it's saying that when you bring a free will offering and you lay your hands on the head of this animal, that it will be accepted on your behalf to bring you back together with God, to restore a broken fellowship. As we always say here, forgiveness costs somebody something. It always does. It always does. I like to use the example if I ran over your mailbox. Right? If I just, like, if I, you invited me over because you were making your, your very favorite sausage chili or whatever, whatever your thing is that is the best thing you make, and you invite me over, and I'm like, yeah, and come on over. And then as I'm leaving, I'm so full, and I can't drive straight. And you guys all know that I got a ticket, so you know I'm not a good driver anyway. And I just plow over your mailbox, right? And you can imagine this happening, right? You can, right? I'm sure. Like, yeah, Pastor Daniel, I'm sure you could. If I plow over your mailbox, you can either say, well, Pastor Daniel, look, you can't drive to save your life. You better fix my mailbox. 
So in order for at one mint to happen again, I have to pay to fix your mailbox. Or if you're a good Christian person, <laughs> you say to yourself, Pastor Daniel, no worries. You told us you couldn't drive. I shouldn't have invited you over anyway. I'll fix it myself. Now that's very gracious of you, but you still got to pay to get it fixed, right? You got to get a new piece of wood. You got to sink some new concrete. You got to get a new box. Like, you know, I ran back over that, trying to get back in the right spot. You know what I mean? So I mangled the thing. Someone's got to pay to bring us back together again. It's either me or you. So forgiveness always costs. Somebody has to be self-giving in order for it to happen. And so what's interesting is that in order for at one minute atonement to happen again, somebody has to pay. Now what's amazing is that God, as a shadow of the things to come, accepted a substitute, an, an animal, but ultimately he doesn't want any animals anymore. The one worthy sacrifice was his own son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. But God accepts the substitute in their place. Now, notice what happens in verse 5. Because this is not like some sort of easy act of worship. Because look at what happens in verse 5. He shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order around or in order on the fire. Verse 8. Then the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts, the head, the fat, in order of the wood that is on fire upon the altar. He shall wash its entrails and its legs with water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, you notice this? The worshiper has to kill the calf himself. And not only that, it says then, then they have to skin it, cube it, and then the priests get involved. So you have to realize that this was not some sort of a passive worship experience. Like you had to bring your best calf and literally before the door of the tavern, you needed to, you needed to kill it. And then the priests are there to take the blood and put the blood around the altar. And as they're doing that, then you start skinning it and cubing it and they start put, getting the fire ready. So this is something that is done in tandem. The worshiper is not passive. The worshiper is completely engaged. They're seeing the reality of their prized piece of cattle and what is necessary for atonement right before them. Now, can you imagine that? Try and put yourself, I mean, some of you guys are hunters, like, yeah, I can imagine that. But for the most, imagine bringing a calf to the Lord and you have to kill it. And you're killing this animal. And you realize that one of the reasons this animal is dying is because you've messed up. Think about how vivid, how vivid of an experience that must have been for people. Imagine the first time you saw that. This is what my lifestyle does to this animal. Wow. Jesus is Satan pushes us away from the way God sees us. He keeps us bound to our old selves. Today, Pastor Daniel taught about how, with Jesus, there is a renewing of our minds. How we see ourselves, our lives, and everything in it is according to his will. 
Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will explain what it means to bring a sweet aroma to the Lord. According to the Old Covenant, it was a burnt offering, but we praise our God in a new way. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series entitled Sacrifice. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio. My life is no typical.